Hello, I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and welcome to episode two of my Train Your Mind for Athletic Success podcast. The next five episodes will explore five attitudes that you can use as tools to support your athletic efforts. They provide the foundation for how you think, feel, and react to every situation in which you find yourself in your sport. And very importantly, these five attitudes either set the stage for success or failure as you pursue your athletic goals. Attitudes are so important to athletic success because they act as the filter through which you look at, understand, interpret, and evaluate yourself, other people, and situations in which you find yourself and experiences you have in your sport. Your attitude will have a wide-ranging impact on what you think, how you feel emotionally, how you behave, and ultimately how you perform in your sport. For example, let's say you arrive at a competitive venue in which you're competing against a tough opponent in bad weather. Your attitude toward these challenges will de largely determine how you perform. If your attitude is one of intimidation by your capable opponent and doubts about the weather, you'll likely lack the confidence, experience anxiety, and perform poorly. Conversely, if you see your skilled opponent as a challenge to overcome and the bad weather's conditions you trained in, you'll probably feel confident and energized, and as a result, you'll perform much better. Your attitudes can either be tools that boost your efforts or weapons that hinder your efforts. Attitudes as tools are positive, supportive, calming, and focusing. In contrast, attitudes as weapons are negative, critical, stress-inducing, and distracting. As you'll learn throughout the upcoming episodes, a challenge with attitudes is that they can be either conscious or unconscious. By conscious, I mean you know where they came from, they're readily available to think about, and they're relatively easy to change. By contrast, unconscious attitudes are rather murky. You may not know how they developed, they aren't easy to access, and as a result, they are more difficult to change. Your goal is to ensure that you have attitudes about your sport, whether about your goals, training, competitors, competing, or success and failure, that will support your efforts in pursuit of your goals. You accomplish this objective with several steps. First, from my Train Your Mind for Athletic Success podcast, you gain an understanding of the most important attitudes that impact your sport. And the next five attitudes will explore these five attitudes. Second, you become aware of your attitudes in these specific areas by thinking about how they relate to you and whether they help or hurt you. Finally, if you have attitudes that interfere with your athletic efforts, you want to understand how they developed, identify healthier attitudes, and gradually shift those attitudes in a more positive direction. From Thomas Jefferson, one of our country's founding fathers, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. So let's begin this exploration of attitudes with the first attitude, ownership. This is a metaphor I use to help people understand why ownership lies at the heart of how you approach your sport. Here's a question for you. Which do you treat better, a car that you own or a car that you rent? Clearly, you take better care of the car that you own. Why? Well, because it's yours. You've invested in it financially and emotionally. You want to take care of it by having it regular checkups and tune-ups. You want it to look good, so you get it washed, vacuumed, and polished. You want the car you own to perform its best and last a long time. There's an expression that relates here. Pride of ownership. Let me repeat that. Pride of ownership. You're proud of owning your car, so you put time and effort into its care and maintenance. From Steve Mariboli, author and motivational speaker, become the leader of your life. Lead yourself to where you want to be. So just as the engine of your car propels you toward your destination, ownership of your sport is the engine that drives you toward your athletic goals. There's a big difference in how you approach your sport, whether you feel that you have full ownership of it, or you have only partial ownership, 
or someone else actually owns it. Truly successful athletes own their sport. Ownership means that you believe that your participation is truly your own, your own determination, your own efforts, your own successes and failures, and yes, your own rewards. In contrast, a lack of ownership shows itself in low commitment, poor effort, excuses, and little resilience in the face of challenges. It's quite simple. To find success as an athlete, you must care deeply about your involvement in your sport. Athletes who have ownership of the sport have a great passion for it and participate for no other reason than the value they place in it for themselves. As a result of this ownership, successful athletes take responsibility for all aspects of their efforts because they are internally motivated and believe they have control over their efforts and their outcomes. From Kerry Irving, a member of the NBA champion Golden State Warriors, he, my father, laid out all the necessary steps for me, but it was up to me what I did with them. Speaking of pride of ownership, a few years ago, I attended a staff meeting at Berkman Academy, an accredited private boarding school in Vermont that was established to help ski racers pursue their goals. I happened to be an alum. During the meeting, the teachers and coaches reviewed each student athlete's progress to that point in the school year. They described the strengths of and the areas in need of improvement for each student athlete and discussed what each young athlete needed to work on in the near future. In talking about one boy, a coach said, he takes pride in everything he does. This simple statement really struck me as profound, and I concluded that taking pride in everything you do was the greatest compliment a young athlete can receive, and the ultimate goal of having ownership of your sport. So what does this statement mean? When you take pride in everything you do, you're expressing your own self-respect because you care enough about yourself to care deeply about your participation in your sport. You are thoroughly engaged in every aspect of your sport, leaving no stone unturned and no detail unimportant. You value your efforts enough to attempt to imbue all of those efforts with the greatest quality you can. And doing the very best you can in everything you do is a fundamental value that directs your life. If you have this pride, you understand that your involvement in your sport is a privilege to be grateful for and an opportunity to be fully embraced. You take the challenge of this opportunity seriously and appreciate and respect the gift by giving your best effort in all your pursuits. You also recognize that one of the true joys of life is experiencing the process of achieving, not just the fruits of those efforts. If you own your sport in this way, you revel in the rewards of success and make no excuses for failure because you understand that ultimately there are no excuses, only your efforts and the results they produce. Taking pride in everything you do in your sport is both a goal toward which you should strive and the result of your considerable efforts. If your goals are all high and you want to have any chance of achieving them, you must take ownership of your sport. This ownership means having your own reasons for participating. You have to give your best effort in every aspect of your sport, and you need to accept responsibility for everything that happens to you, whether great successes, that's easy to do, or disappointing failures, that is really hard to do. For Michael Johnson, a four-time Olympic gold medal winning sprinter, the best motivation always comes from within. So what does it mean to own your sport? I hope I've convinced you that ownership is essential for athletic success. It certainly sounds good in theory, doesn't it? But it's one thing to think about ownership. It's an entirely different thing to actually gain and maintain ownership every day in your sport. So at a practical level, what does it mean to own your sport? It means taking responsibility for everything that impacts your athletic performances, including conditioning, technical and tactical training, your equipment, nutrition, sleep, and of course, mental training. If you don't own every aspect of your sport and aren't doing everything you can to maximize all those areas and any others that impact your performances, 
The simple reality is that you will have little chance of ever achieving them. Also, and perhaps this will provide you with a bit more incentive to own your sport, it's likely that many of your competitors are owning their sport and doing everything they can to achieve their athletic goals. And when you compete against them, they will probably win. A key part of owning your sport also involves owning your mind. As we've talked about in this podcast, athletic success begins with a mind. So that's where you want to begin to own your sport. If you can own all the areas of the mind that impact your sports performances, you will be more ready to be able to own your sport completely. Owning your mind involves several important steps. First, you must understand how the mind in general influences sports performance. You will learn all you'll need to know about this relationship just by listening to this podcast. Second, you need to understand how your mind in particular impacts your own sports performance. Third, you must develop, implement, and commit to a comprehensive, structured, and consistent mental training program that prepares your mind to perform its best in the same way that a physical conditioning program prepares your body to perform its best. Owning your mind means owning your motivation, confidence, intensity, focus, mindset, emotions, and so much more that I'll explore in my podcast. Another key part of owning your sport is owning the little things, the details. As you improve as an athlete and you climb the higher up the competitive ladder, you can assume that just about everyone you compete against will have the basics of your sport down pretty well. Most of your competitors will be in great physical condition. They'll be solid technically and tactically, and they'll be fairly mentally prepared. The basics are certainly necessary, but they're not sufficient to get to the top. So none of those areas will ultimately determine who is successful and who isn't, because everybody is doing more or less the same thing. The higher you get in your sport, the more important the little things become, because it's the small details that will end up separating the winners from the also-rans. Because small differences can make a huge difference in who succeeds and who doesn't, you should pay careful attention to the details that subtly impact your practice and your competitive efforts. This realization requires that you own the little things, meaning you should identify the details in your athletic and your general life that can make those small differences in performance and make sure you address them as completely as you can. At its broadest level, the idea of owning the little things involves making sure that your sport is a priority in your life and that you're making choices that ensure they best serve your athletic goals. These decisions aren't always easy because other aspects of your life may pull you away from making good choices about your sport. There are several areas of your broader life that cause you to take several steps back from your goals, even as you are taking steps forward in your sport. For example, your social needs, you want to be with friends, can cause you to choose your social life over your athletic life. Other areas in which your interests might conflict with your sports goals are sleep, you might stay up late to be on your social media, or your diet by eating junk food that tastes good, but it's clearly not healthy. There are also little things directly related to your sport that can make the difference between achieving your goals and not. The fact is that a lot of what you do as you pursue your athletic goals is boring, tedious, tiring, and just plain painful. Examples include your physical conditioning, uh, warm-up before and cool-down after practices, taking care of your equipment, and uh, yes, doing your mental training. It can be easy to convince yourself that they don't matter that much, and it won't hurt you to do them half-heartedly or not at all every once in a while. Well, let me tell you that those little things do matter, and that if you do them half-baked or skip them altogether, you're simply hurting your chances of achieving your athletic goals. So, moving forward, own your sport, own your mind, and own the little things. I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and thanks for listening to Episode 2 of Train Your Mind for Athletic Success. And be on the lookout for Episode 3 
in the near future.